Welcome to season five of the Essential Stepmom podcast. I get to be the boss of when it's a new season, and I say it's now. The weather is changing, the kids are going back to something like school, and I have something on my mind that I think deserves its very own season. Hi there, I'm Tracy, and this is the Essential Stepmom podcast your source of unconventional advice and inspiration for the womanly art of raising someone else's kids. Is it really an art? You bet. Nobody pops out of the womb with an instinct for step-parenting. It's something you practice and get better at, like anything else. And if you found this podcast, it means you're smart enough to look for someone who's been practicing the moves for a long time to stand in your corner and coach you through it. I'll share my wins, my missteps, and my analysis of what worked for my family over the last 14 years, and why it could work for you too. If you like this stuff, don't forget to subscribe, and you can get more of me at EssentialStepmom.com. Do you have a child or a stepchild in your home who's becoming distant, who has stopped answering phone calls or texts? who spends hours on the phone with their other parent while they're supposed to be visiting you, who's acting out, pitching tantrums, or only wanting to stay alone in their room? Well, they might just be acting like a regular teenager, in which case, welcome to the struggle bus. Or they might actually need your help to deal with the early stages of parental alienation. My guest today is Dorsey Pruder, founder of the Conscious Co-Parenting Institute, and she's so full of sage advice, I'm going to tell you right now to pull the car over, find a parking lot, and take out a notepad, or just plan to listen again when you have a pen and paper. Before we get started, I have to put in a plug for an online event coming up that you don't want to miss. The Step Family Summit 2020 is taking place online from September 16 to 18. It's three days of video interviews with 13 of the most followed step family experts, and I'm absolutely humbled to be included among them. It's all free, which is great, of course, but you can also choose a paid option for lifetime access to all the audio recordings for just $17, and I can't tell you how happy you'll be to do that for yourself. I recently listened to a four-hour seminar that I shelled out the same 17 bucks for the recording of, and boy, did I thank myself for the treat of not having to stay tethered to my computer for those exact four hours. My part of the Step Family Summit is speaking about how to get through to a child who's being brainwashed or gaslighted or just plain lied to by their other parent. And if you've learned anything about me by now, you'll know that my approach will be grounded in deep compassion for the predicament of the child and making sure that their real needs are being met. I also have a free handout that you'll get when you sign up for the Step Family Summit 2020 about how to adapt the five love languages concept for this exact kind of situation to reclaim the heart of a child who's being conditioned to mistrust or dislike you. When you register for the free summit, you'll be offered some paid upgrade options that include audio or video replays and transcripts, 
as well as some serious bonus material from all of the presenters. Mine is going to be an exclusive masterclass on helping kids cope with toxic parenting. Sign up for the free Step Family Summit 2020 at bit.ly slash Tracy Summit. That's bit.ly slash Tracy Summit. And there's no E in Tracy, right? So season five is all about parental alienation and restoring damaged bonds between parents and their kids. When I first found out about Dorsey Pruder's High Road to Reunification program, I was truly gobsmacked that somebody was running a program that could undo the psychological damage of even the most extreme cases of parental alienation 100% of the time. That just seemed like an impossible achievement. But what thrilled me most was the idea that if someone can do it, that means it's actually possible in every single situation. What a message of hope that is. If you're struggling with alienation or manipulation or conditioning or just lies, damn lies, and more damn lies, this episode is for you and your spouse. Listen in. Hi, Darcy. Hi, thank Tracy. You so, thank you so much for doing this. I'm really, really happy that you're here today. And you're like, I, I think of you as the ultimate expert in, <laughs> in um, the emotional side of, you know, parental alienation. And I'm really happy that you're here to talk about this today. We were just discussing, well, will you please, before I get going, you say a little bit about yourself because you'll do a better job of that than I do. Sure. Thank you. So thanks, thanks so much for having me on your show. I'm excited to be here. And um, as you know, I'm Dorsey Pruder and I'm the CEO and founder of the Conscious Co-Parenting Institute. And we focus on um, meeting the divorcing parents need wherever they are in the process. And we have solutions for families dealing with the dynamic known as parental alienation, which isn't a clinical term. Um, it's more of a urban term. And parental alienation, as, as you know, is a um, experience in a family where a child is experiencing an emotional cutoff from one of their parents at the influence of usually the other parent and sometimes extended family members. Um, and alienation is really uh, the experience for the child. So the child is um, uh, cut off from the parent. Uh, they are standing in a judgmental position or experiencing splitting. One parent is all good and the other one is all bad. Um, and then also the hyper-focused on a encapsulated persecutory delusion. So an unforgivable event, if you will, the reason that the child finds that they should stand in judgment of a parent and um, that event could never be fixed. So in other words, there's a breach in the relationship with, with a parent and a child and there's never a repair, it just remains breached. And our goal at the Institute is to focus on the solution. So bridging the gap and the breach and teaching parents how to have a relationship with their children when they've experienced emotional cutoffs and and also for the extreme situations, teaching children how to be in relationship with both parents. So we know children love both of their parents, even when one, and in some cases, both parents are abusive. And so we really reframe the belief 
beliefs of alienation, if you will, and, and uh, the way that people have talked about it for so long um, into a proper uh, diagnostic model that helps mental health providers understand this is what's actually happening in the family and here's how great. to solve it. That's so great because I think there's, um, my experience in talking to families is that mm -hmm. there is a lot of um, misunderstanding, I think, in the mental health profession about Absolutely. what's happening and mm -hmm. um, how to best address it. Mm -hmm. So as I was just saying, I think that um, m most of my listeners probably fall into the category where uh, they are still having contact with the mm -hmm. kids. It's not mm -hmm. necessarily a case of, of zero contact, mm -hmm. or if, if so, it's a relatively recent. Um, and that it might just be more like they can tell that the parent on the other side, in most of my listeners, it will be a mom on the other side. Mm -hmm. uh, the, the parent on the other side is heavily influencing the children to have opinions about the parent, about the step parent in the other home. Mm -hmm. um, and so it's making for um, an awkward, unhappy family experience <laughs> there. Yes. Well, being a step parent myself and and uh, operating in that family dynamic, I completely empathize with your listeners and understand the plight of I call it the bonus parent. So the bonus parent in these family dynamics and and bonus moms especially, um, moms just in, or women in general are are nurturing and. Um, we want to solve emotional things um, where, where men want to solve physical things. Right. You know, women are, are much more um, emotionally motivated and driven. So when there's an emotional issue in a family, um, women want to solve it. And if we have a mother, uh, a biological mother who is pathogenic or who is creating pathology in the children, yeah. then the new spouse, the new, the, the bonus mom will want to try to solve that. And the nurturing nature of bonus parents or bonus moms will, will, you know, get enacted pretty quickly. Yeah. Yeah. And I find that frequently um, step parents call us to solve the issues in mm. their new spouse's, um, you know, dynamic with their children because they love their beloved, right? They want yeah, they course. want their spouse to be happy, and how the relationship is with the kids or the ex actually impacts their relationship and. Um, one of the things I tell people, uh, step parents, moms that contact us a lot is that um, the solution to the family dynamic doesn't reside in the bonus parent, the step parent solving the problem. It's yeah. actually them letting go <laughs> of solving the problem and holding the container, if you will, for the actual parent to solve the problem. There we go. I'm so happy when somebody else says what I said in another way. <laughs> yes, absolutely. It, it's hard. It's hard to let go, eh? I mean, I'm, I'm in yes. the same position as you. And yeah. it's very, very hard to let go when you feel like, you, you know, you want to make it happen. You have the ideas. You can see what the problem is that often the biological parent doesn't see it as clearly because they're standing right inside of it. It's so Absolutely. hard. Absolutely. You know, it's but funny. Yes, it has to be the bio parent who does it. It does. 
when I when I started my company, um, it was out of the desire to help the man I was dating at the time who was alienated from his daughter. I was so enmeshed in my own family dynamic that I couldn't see my own family situation, like what happened to me as a child yeah. and what was happening with my children. I was completely blind to my own wow. situation, but I was dating a man who was alienated from his daughter. And I started to do the research in 2006, like what it, or really in four and five and then six, I started my company, but it was really out of the desire to help the man I was dating, you know, solve his problem. Yeah. So I totally understand the, 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 the desire that especially stepmoms have to, solve things, to fix yeah. things for their beloved. And um, so it's funny, my entire company was really started based on the desire as a, yeah. as a bonus parent to really yeah. solve it for somebody else. And then really in that whole process, discovering what happened to me, what was happening with my kids, um, but it's you know, crazy what was happening to, everywhere. It's crazy to think that you <laughs> weren't actually aware at that moment that, you know, that you had gone through this as a child and it was happening to your own kids. Exactly. And yeah. you're a pretty smart cookie. Like I am a you know, smart cookie. I, yeah. It just shows you how easy it is to have the blinders on. And, you know, we, we oftentimes will attract, actually not all the time, yeah. we attract, you know, what, what is happening in our own life and what's happening in our own unconscious yeah. mind, right? So, yeah. um, but, you know, when we're struggling in our victim mindset, we're struggling with, you know, oh, it's not me. I got to fix all of this out here. If I fix yeah. it all out here, then maybe it'll be fixed in here. And I have conversations with mental health providers all the time. And most people get into mental health to really resolve their own complex trauma, you know, and, um, and that's why their blinders are on. And they're always, we, we as humans are always looking for confirmatory bias, right? You know, yeah. trying to find the things that we know and make ourselves right and you know if we have blinders on we can get emotionally hooked into our clients narrative and story and we can easily not see what's actually happening and remove ourselves from the dynamic so even as coaches that happens so we have to be very very careful about you know, buying into people's stories. I always yeah. say when people call us, oh, that sounds really interesting. Um, let me see the evidence. I love to look at evidence because evidence speaks for itself, right? Yeah. And um, you can see how people communicate and um, step parents especially because we do have a desire to want to fix things and we can see things from a perspective that like you said, the parent can't actually see. and you know, you're, you're a mom. So, you know, as well, like being in that space, how hard it is to see your own situation. Of course. Of course. <laughs> I, we have, I have a one biological child and three stepkids and, um, my husband tells me things still about my connection with my daughter that I'm, you know, I don't see it for myself or, you know, I have to say in truth, I usually, I usually agree when he tells me something and I say, <laughs> Yeah, I guess I know. Okay, if you can see it, then it's really, it's really like that, you know? Yeah. But, but there's so much work that we do, you know, it's so easy, I think, it, for stepmoms to feel, well, if I'm not doing that thing, what use am I here? Like, if yes. I'm not being a mother, if I'm not doing motherly things, what, what use am I? What's my role? And mm -hmm. I, 
like there are so many things that you can do mm -hmm. without being that that are supportive and helpful and leading to a good resolution um it, it's just that we don't um we let ourselves get carried away with it, i you know i tell people like true. in as a step parent you are your maternal instinct is leading you in the wrong direction you need to That's unhook that gps you know like just unhook it i mean people you've i don't know if you've ever heard of death by gps but like people drive <laughs> the wrong way into the desert you know because their it's gps true. is leading them there and they, it happens all the time right they find people yes. like at the end of a long dead end road without food and water for three days because they were following their their gps and i i think it it leads you in the wrong direction I totally agree. I think the bonus parent's role is to be a bonus and, and to take on that role as more of a sounding board and coach for um, beloved, so for partner, and also for a place for children to um, empty containers, if you will, and, um, and to be a sounding board. That's interesting and help fueling critical thinking without hijacking the parental role. Right. And um, I always say it's a bonus to be that parent because you truly can be the fun parent without yeah. all of the responsibility right. of the bio parents. So, uh, and I don't know why, why as step parents, we forget that and we toss that out the window. But if you really step into your authenticity as the bonus parent, you get to be in that role. You get to be the fun parent and you get to be the one that, you know, like my stepkids, my stepson, I'm the one he tells everything to yeah. first. Yeah. And me too, um, actually. <laughs> yeah, he comes to me and I'm the sounding board. And I always know when he's lying, right? Like he's trying to tell me something, but he's like, oh, you know, this, I'm like, hmm, that, that's an interesting perspective. <laughs> Tell me a little bit more about that. And, and really he's testing. Can I tell you, can you soften the blow? Yeah. And um, I really helped him reframe how he shares information with his parents, his dad and his mom, so that he really can deliver the information without being, ah, you know, yeah. And, yeah. and I can also soften the blow, blow for his dad. Like, hey, listen, yeah. you know, this is what's happening. Yeah. And, you know, be the soft place for him to land. That's and, so great. Yeah. So if, if you really step into that role authentically, it's actually truly the bonus parent. You really get to be the fun parent and um, without all the, the icky stuff. Now, when you're dealing with this family dynamic of alienation or, or pathogenic parenting on the other side, you know, a lot of that comes through the child at you. And, and I've dealt with that too. And, you know, it can be overwhelming, especially when the kid comes in and now you're the bad person. And I always say, you know, open up your proverbial trash can, put in a really good smell good liner and let the <laughs> child dump in the garbage so you can take out the trash and not take all of that projection personally and, yeah and it's easy to get in that in the in the emotional spin zone and trying to fix it and then you know whatever your unconscious guilt is right like oh you know i am the new wife or whatever it is and you know like when when i first started dating my my husband you know, his son was seven and um, he was like, you know, my parents are always going to be married and, you know, you're never going to be my mom. And, and he punched me in the stomach. You know? Oh my goodness. Was, I know he was like really angry and, and I knew it was his mom and I didn't take it personally. Right. It was like, okay. And, and I just got down to his level. Right. And met him eye to eye and was like, it's okay. Of course your mom is always going to be your mom and your dad is always going to be your dad. And, you know, I didn't reinforce the delusion that they were married. they been divorced for three years or yeah. four years. 
course, I just in, reinforced the fact that his parents were always his parents and he was right. I was never, never going to be his mom. And this was early in dating, yeah. right? And, um, and he would do the typical stuff try to hold his hand, you know, his dad's hand and try to ease yeah. his way in and, and stuff like that. And you just don't take any of that personally. And, and you set healthy boundaries with the kids. So helping them understand, well, that's not normal, right? It's, it's okay to hold your dad's hand, stand on the other side. And, yeah. and, you know, it's not all or nothing. Yeah. Um, and, but when you deal with this pathology, you're dealing with an all or nothing mindset from the other side. So helping the child find balance by being neutral and, and a place that they can come to without being defensive, right? Don't take all of the stuff the child is saying defensively. It's not really about you anyways. Yeah. And, and sometimes it isn't even coming from the other parent. So sometimes we think everything is alienation or the yeah. other parent is yeah. doing this. But sometimes the child is having mixed emotions about loving you and That's loving right. mom. And this is an internal conflict that the child is trying to work out. Yeah. So. Oh my goodness, sorry. Didn't turn my phone off. That's okay. Um, yes, exactly. And I think that I think that a lot of people confuse parental alienation with the because what you just described is the real loyalty bind, yeah. and that's the one that is, in my understanding, that's the one that's generated, self-generated by the yeah. child on the inside. Yes. Because as human beings, we're not wired to have two mothers. Right. And when they feel too close to you, when they, when they love you, mm -hmm. um, they have this instant where they need to kick their mother out of the nest to make mm -hmm. room for you. And then immediately they feel very guilty about that. Mm -hmm. And that's a, a completely unconscious process. But that's where a child starts to beat themselves up yes. and to often reject the thing that they want the most, which is more time with you or more closeness right. with you. Mm -hmm. And uh, they start to make you, you know, they behave in a way that would make you reject them as mm -hmm. a punishment to themselves mm -hmm. for being such a bad child of their own mother. And that is a tough nut to crack. You can't, here's where you can't fix that by being nicer or by loving more, you know, right. or by getting closer. And the, it, uh, I think this understanding is so critical. Yeah. for stepmoms to to know that what the what's underneath this bad behavior from the child towards you is that they have caught themselves feeling too close to you yes. for their own uh you know their their own uh, set point of what they'll permit themselves absolutely it's the internal split right? Yeah. And, um, the belief that of all or nothing. And we're wired as a society to have all or nothing thinking, you know, good guys and bad guys, yeah. cowboys yeah. and Indians, yeah. black and white, you know, yeah. everything is split. So, yeah. you know, even Disney movies, yeah. you know, good prince and bad guy. And, yeah. you know, yeah. everything is like that, that our, our wiring comes even from normal things that kids are involved in is all or nothing. And so it's a, a natural internal split. And as the bonus parent, you know, we can hold that container of unconditional love as a reminder that love is abundant, that you don't have to choose one over the other. You can be in relationship with both. And 
step parents, moms especially, we try to force like because we have this desire or we have a belief about the other parent or the mom that may or may not be true and it doesn't matter that that we're going to do it better and and yeah. you know we're going to be easy and all these things and so we get up, up, caught up in our own mindset and you know if you can hold that container of unconditional love which means there are no conditions it just just be present for the child and meet the child where they are instead of trying to get the child to understand what you believe and what you want. And, um, you know, it's not always easy. My, my husband and I've been together for almost 12 years and, um, you know, we have good days and bad days in our relationship yeah. and we have good days and bad days with our children and we have four children between us and, you know, they're all wonderful humans and super annoying at the same time. And, yeah. you know, and they, they do things that push our buttons and when our buttons are pushed, if we're irritated, that's our responsibility and children are annoying for a reason yeah. and they push our buttons to wake us up, not yeah. the other way around, but we as parents and step parents think we're so high and mighty because we're adults we know everything and and we do know a lot we have a lot of wisdom and at the same time you know children come into the world to wake us up to our unconscious parts yeah. but it makes us uncomfortable so we don't want to feel uncomfortable so or if we feel out of control which happens very frequently in yeah. blended families and step families that um, we're trying to enact control so yeah. we feel better yeah. that makes us feel better we're yeah. not thinking about how that actually impacts the child yeah of course of yeah. course we and the child needs alone time with their parent yes so just because so you're often a new fixes, unit yes it so often fixes the problem and somehow when the stepmom um perceives that as an opportunity to like it pushes her button of being excluded or feeling yes. left out or whatever then that's a huge problem because it's got nothing to do with her. It's that no. the solution to the problem is alone time with the child yes. and the biological parent. And they, and they deserve that and they need that. And yes. even though you're a, a marital unit, that doesn't mean you have to do everything together. And yeah. it's, it's really in each family finding the balance of that. And, you know, and, and if it's coming from the other parent, the, the biological mom who is, trying to create a split, many stepmoms will anchor in, dig in their heels. Yeah. And because the, the competition or the, the, the conflict is between the, the moms and the child is simply being used as a pawn. Yeah. And you need to free the child from that by not getting emotionally hooked into yeah. the story, right? So standing in the container of being secure. And if you're feeling insecure, you resolve that insecurity with your beloved yes. not with the child yes with you all know. your adult resources that you bring to bear to growing your security because that's exactly. what, what we do as adults you have you have unlimited resources as an adult to work on your growing your own feeling of security and the yes. child has nothing at the moment exactly. I, I want to ask you a question because this comes up a lot when we're talking about the kind of the various kinds of bad behavior in quotation mm -hmm. marks that are a result of this you know, being in the middle, the stress mm -hmm. of being in the middle or of being, you know, sent as a human grenade into another house by, you know, on purpose by the other parent, whatever, mm -hmm. that um, a lot of 
um, there's a lot of question mark around uh, how to respond to that. As you just said, holding a container of love, like, mm -hmm. uh, you know, I know what that means, but how do you not feel that you are reinforcing bad behavior when you don't mm -hmm. meet it with some, something that feels, you know, what everybody grew up with, like some kind of consequence for bad mm -hmm. behavior? Yeah. So, um, well, we can't control how other people feel. So if somebody, if you're simply feeling, um, whatever you're feeling, that's authentic. So you're allowed to feel whatever you're going to feel. And then you have to start questioning yourself, you know, as the adult in the situation, is this feeling, um, authentic? Like, am I processing in the present moment or am I triggered and processing something from my own belief system, my own unconscious belief system or my own little complex traumas and stories I've created for myself? And then if the behavior is, re if your fear is reinforcing bad behavior, you know, nothing can be solved when it, when it, when somebody's um, emotions are unmanaged. And so um, whatever the behavior is should always be addressed at some point um, using an iMessage. So for example, if the step parent and the child is having a, um, a miscommunication or they're experiencing something, first it requires a no response to give the child the opportunity to save face. So if the behavior is just coming in and the child's emptying their container, right? They've been imprinted and all this rubbish has been placed into the child child comes from bio mom now with stepmom and all that rubbish is now being protected or projected it to the stepmom then that's where you put in the proverbial trash liner take the garbage and throw it out don't respond to it because not everything requires a response and so let the child empty the toxicity and don't take it personally give them the time and space to save face and oftentimes it's they run out of that kind of stuff and they just empty it and then that's it. If it requires, if you feel like you need to respond, which I know most people do, so one of the best responses is that's an interesting perspective. Tell me a little bit more about where that's coming from. You're engaging the child in problem solving and critical thinking versus becoming defensive and trying to convince the child of something different. The moment you get in the convince and resist dance with anybody, but especially a child or and especially a child, you're just in this tug of war. You're yeah. trying to convince and resist and it doesn't matter if you resisted first or convinced, it's back and forth. It doesn't matter who's right. You're digging in your heels and your rightness, nobody's listening. So actively engage critical thinking and active listening. That's an interesting perspective. Tell me a little bit more about that, right? So bad behavior sometimes is just conditioned behavior mm -hmm. and how you respond to it is important or not responding. So a non-response gives the child the opportunity to save face. That's Does that make great. sense? Yeah, of course, of course. I think it's a new it's a new skill. It's a new mm -hmm. skill set that people are learning because we always default to the way that we were raised. Yes. And we also want to believe that the way that we were raised was the correct way. <laughs> exactly. And, and that if we, if we perpetuate, you know, like if you got punished when you did something bad, and of course you hated it, but in retrospect, you want to believe that, that you were punished out of love by yes. your parents, you mm -hmm. now are going to show that you're going to show love in the same way, which is to punish. 
and that yes. punishing is what loving parents do to their kids. So that's happening way deep in the background, you know, and mm -hmm. you're not so aware of that, but it's very, very hard to not default to that immediately and say, let me find the, I, the my problem is I haven't found the right punishment. Like, yes. let's have the right punishment. What's the correct punishment here? What's the best consequence when, you know, when this happens or whatever? And it's very hard to step away from that whole paradigm. Yes. It's an authoritarian um, parenting style. So yeah. a lot of times step parents will be permissive. They won't actively engage until they're triggered. And then they'll authority yes, you know yes. they pounce and so the child is confused and this isn't just step parents all parents do this yes. so the child is like well I, i'm confused I'm, I'm just off of um uh, a couple of high roads and um, which is our intensive workshop where um, we reunite kids and restore the healthy bond between a targeted chosen parent that's what i call yeah. the targeted parent and um the children and the skills are all the same. So people are like, what is this? What are they doing? And, you know, we teach healthy communication skills. We teach children how to have a healthy perspective of both parents. We teach children how to communicate. We also teach parents. Mm -hmm. So we teach parenting classes in the high road. We yeah. teach parenting classes in our coaching. Parenting skills are critical, but they're communication skills and relationship skills. And, you know, the, the surveys that we get, because we survey all the kids, 99% of the time, they, they love learning the communication skills. They're like, wow, I, I wish... You know, I knew this even with my friends or talking to my teachers like for a long time. So, you know, the skills that we teach on how to communicate with each other creates communion, right? Connect yeah. connection. Children are motivated for connection. They want to connect. And even, you know, bad behavior, if you will, they're pro I call it protest behavior. Dr. Childers calls that the protest behavior. They're not protesting because they're bad people. Yeah. They're protesting because they want connection. They yeah. want attention. They want, they're, they're having a need that's not being met. Yeah. And so they're protesting, but we ignore what's actually underlying. And we see the protest as an affront. How yeah. dare you? And, yeah. you know, you will do this this way. And parents, you know, the, the flavor du jour, especially with teenagers, is to take cell phones. You know, they, they enact yeah. a punishment yeah. that doesn't fit the, the crime, right. if you will. So there's no logical consequence. So if we engage the children in what they think would be a logical consequence to right. uh, um, the experience or the behavior, you'd be, you'd be amazed at the things that, first of all, you can tell, I, I always test this, how parents parent by the, um, and, and their child, the child's belief about themselves by the consequences the kids come up with. So it's really funny. They tell on parents all the time based on the punishment that they give themselves. And some kids are like really light. So you can tell we have a permissive parent or some children like, you know, enact a act of Congress to, you know, <laughs> that they would need to have in order to recover. I'm like, wow. Okay. So you can see this divide yeah. and you see the divide in parenting styles, which usually creates alienation or a emotional cutoff because one parent is extremely permiss right. permissive and the other parent is authoritarian. Right. And, um, who then gets destabilized and becomes permissive or authoritarian. So they, they don't understand that there's conscious parenting. There's a place in the middle yeah. where 
you know, we need to be an authority figure in situations of safety. You know, yeah. don't run into the middle of the street. Make sure you stop and look both ways, right? right. Don't put your hand on the hot stove. Okay. Don't take drugs because here's the consequence, right? right? Like there are safety issues of which we should have authority. And then there are many issues or things that we should be enacting the child's voice in, in a healthy way. Now, this isn't the child's voice, i.e., I never want to see you again. That is completely not healthy. It's the authenticity of the child, you know, and I teach children that, you know, responsibility equals freedom and things that they want, right? And if they're acting out, then their parents are trying to control because their parents feel out of control. And same thing for step parents. And step parents more frequently feel out of control because they really aren't in control. Yeah. <laughs> and so then they start to parent their spouse too. So yeah. they're, they're, <laughs> yeah, they're I, I say that a lot as well. You're you're not yeah. his mother. Yes. Right. So they're and and again they go back into that space of trying to fix things because even saying oh sorry, I was just gonna no, say go ahead. even even, the, saying, even the even the tendency to say you listen to your dad. Yes. That, that sets you up as the, now you're the authority even over the dad in some way. Yes. You're a more, a more, uh, a more important authority saying you listen to your dad or I don't want to hear you disrespect, you know, that sets you up somehow in a weird way as the parent of your spouse. Well, I'll tell you where that gets really set up is if you're really dealing with pathogenic parenting and alienating parent, a narcissistic borderline parent on the other side, then that parent will focus still on how terrible the biological parent is. And, oh, he wouldn't, you know, you can only be over there if the other, if the step parent is there, they will try to split the the new spouse um, relationship by creating the great divide. This parent is good and this one is bad. You're safe over there if the step parent is there, but if not, then you're not safe. So that that happens. And the step parent will unconsciously step into that role very frequently. And because they're unconscious about whatever their own story is. And so you know, conscious co-parenting requires a level of consciousness that you have to be thinking about things and how you're showing up in the world and how you're showing up in the container with the children. And it's easy. It's so easy to get hooked into all of that stuff. I'm so curious to know because, first of all, I'm like super impressed to hear that you have a 100% success rate with your Mm -hmm. high road to unification program, Mm -hmm. uh, which, first of all, congratulations, because that's amazing. And secondly, um, it's a very hopeful message, I think, for everybody, because it means that the seeds of that kind of success are already there. Um, you're, you're not, I mean, your program must be amazing to be achieving that, but it's not, you're not sprinkling magic dust. Like the, the grains, the seeds of it are there in every single situation. If you can bring it out and make it happen, um, that's a lot of masterful work, but it means that it's possible in every situation. And I would like, I, I believe that it can really only, um, be sustainable if also the alienating parent is brought in and buys in and is able to affect some kind of change. And I'm super curious to know whether both parents participate in the high road four day program or the other parent comes on board afterwards somehow. 
That's an excellent question. So the other parent comes on board after. So the participation of the four-day intensive is with the, the children or child and the, um, the, the rejected parent. Um, and the post-workshop is facilitated by a local maintenance care facilitator, so a local family assistance therapist who works with the entire family system. So it's a child protection issue, not a child custody issue. The children are being psychologically abused. So we protect all children that are abused all of the time. And then there's a temporary protective order. And during that protective order, the family systems therapist will work with the pathogenic parent. And that parent will learn the same skills that the targeted parent and the children learn in the workshop. So whole family problem requires a whole family solution. Now we're, we're tracking the data from from these families throughout the years and the parents that are extremely pathogenic that don't get on board right they refuse to participate they usually file all kinds of court orders and they call me terrible things and they say terrible things about you know the other parent and then the judge and you know they they're yeah. constantly blaming everyone outside of themselves the reason we have a temporary protective order is that we're teaching the children the skills to be in relationship with both parents. And so under the understanding of child protection, we, we know that the child loves that other parent. And so we're gonna, we teach the child during the workshop and in maintenance care how to be in relationship with that parent and how to protect themselves from the abuse. We reintegrate the pathogenic parent in a controlled environment with the family systems therapist that's working with the whole family. So we never assign the, like the, the pathogenic parent's therapist to be the one who's the gatekeeper because they're allied with that parent. And we need the family systems therapist who understands the whole family dynamic and the system of the family. That is the one that's reintroducing the pathogenic parent in a controlled environment under the understanding that we're protecting children. We protect all abused children all the time. Now, some children are able to go to a 50-50 or some sort of a shared parenting arrangement without supervision because they're, they've learned the skills, they've had enough time to master the skills to be in relationship with both parents, and they can move to an unsupervised parenting arrangement with that parent um, and, and, and not succumb to the pressure to have to choose one parent over the other. Some children are not able to resist that and they need a longer period of protective separation or a longer period of um, supervised parenting time. But the goal isn't now you're in and you're out. The goal is integration and to teach the entire family dynamic the skills. We have this wonderful thing in our brain are these things called mirroring neurons. So, you know, when children learn skills, they're actually teaching the other parent. Oh, how wonderful the, is that? The, yeah, the skills and they're mirroring it back and forth, you know, even without them saying, mom, I need to teach you these skills. And we're doing that in the workshop and it's happening in the family systems therapy. So it's really powerful how connected we actually are as human beings and how skills and things are tossed back and forth. I mean, have you ever been around somebody and you start picking up their accent, you know, you yeah. just start, that's the mirroring neurons. We start to be like the people that we spend the most time with. Yeah. And, and even people that are really active, you know, empathetic people will pick up other stuff really quickly. So 
it's very important that everybody understands it's skill building, right? And that yeah. it's education that we're teaching skills to children. And these are skills that apply to every relationship that they have. So not with their parents only, but with their friends and their siblings and their teachers and, you know, out into the world. And Fantastic. Yeah. I mean, oh, that's so great. Yeah. It's how the pathology gets created. People think that, you know, you can't influence children, but our children's greatest influence, especially growing up, is the, is the parent and, or the parents. And if you have a pathogenic parent, that's a, somebody with narcissistic borderline personality disorder or a lot of the fingerprinting of that, the traits. Mm -hmm. So we look at the child's behavior, that's the fingerprinting of the parent. So who's causing it? Which parent? Yeah. And you know, the, the most you know, severe cases, sometimes we have both parents. So we've done workshops where um, mom is borderline and dad is narcissistic. Yeah. What do we do? Take the kid and say, sorry? Yeah. No, we educate the parents, right? We teach them how to be in healthy relationships. Yeah, and, and it's something a person can learn if, yes. they, if they feel motivated. Yeah. Um, and I would like to know how you, um, I, or how often you see this problem or how, how you overcome it. When, when a child reconnects with their, as you call it, the chosen parent, the targeted parent who they have previously rejected, who they really, they really choose to put their faith in because on some level they know that that parent is the stronger one. Mm -hmm. uh, they reconnect as a result of your program with this parent and they understand for the first mm -hmm. time that the, the parent they were living with and the one who they trusted so implicitly has actually betrayed their trust in a really important fundamental way. Mm -hmm. And what do they do with that feeling, with that resentment? How do they reconnect now with a parent who they know has betrayed them? Beautiful. I'm so glad you asked that question. Um, that question really never gets asked in any interviews I've ever done, but it gets asked a lot in the workshop from two perspectives. One, the <clears throat> targeted parent, the chosen parent, secretly, even though they say they don't, they secretly want the child to know what the other parent did. And um, they ask that question a lot, like, well, what are they going to reject that parent? And, you know, even they so even though they say they don't want that, a lot of times they secretly do, they want revenge. Mm -hmm. um, we never place a child in a position to reject any parent. And the goal of the workshop is to help them have a healthy perspective and view of each parent and to understand that no parent is all good and all bad, right? That we have good and bad qualities that every human being does. And we focus a lot on empathy and um, vulnerability in our workshop and processing a behavior with an empathetic response and the shift isn't to reject the other parent. The shift is to integrate both parts of who the child is, which is mom and dad and the good and the bad from both parents. So while children know, because we the, the workshop is educational, we never take an educational perspective of throwing a parent under the bus. So it's always from the perspective of understanding that divorce is hard on kids and that when parents divorce, both parents generally bear down on the child because they throw all their parenting out the window and they operate in what I call the lizard brain, right? So they're spinning in their emotional brain. 
And then usually both parents will let up, but sometimes one parent is still bearing down and the other parent is letting up. And children in that family dynamic, the weight of the world is placed on their shoulders and they can feel it. And we teach children that when a marriage ends, it's the ending of a relationship between a husband and a wife, but never the ending of a family, that the child always binds the family together. And while that's, an unnecessary or an unfortunate weight that gets placed on them, sometimes they step into a role that they feel that they have to step into. So with the kids, we really help them achieve a healthy perspective of both parents, even when one parent is way out of line or has really you know bad behavior. We help them focus on behavior and not the person. Uh And same thing with the child. You know, when you have protest behavior, we don't focus on the behavior is is your identity. Sometimes you you don't behave appropriately, but we're not going to throw you out with the bathwater. We're going to say, I would like some different behavior. And that's where really our educational pieces come in and teaching children how to get their voices heard authentically and how to have their needs met and how to have the healthy perspective of both parents. Does that make sense? That's great. Yeah, it does. Awesome. I, it's like, it's just a huge ray of sunshine that you're, that you're doing this, this kind of work. I think it's fantastic. Um, so all right, wow, we could could talk like all day. I would never get tired of hearing you talk. So thank you so, so much for doing this. I, I appreciate your wisdom and your time and please tell people how they can find you. And I think that you have I think you have a free course available on your website, if I'm not mistaken. I do. So um, you can find us at ConsciousCoParentingInstitute.com. And um, we have a, I actually have a free guide for your step parents. So we have a free guide called Stepping In, a step parent's guide to um, co-parenting in a family situation with pathogenic parenting. And I will provide you the link because I don't know exactly what it is, but I'll give you the link and you can put it in there. Yeah. It'll be in the show notes. Yeah. Awesome. Yeah. Thank you so much. That's, yeah, that's really great. Me. And so I encourage fun. everybody here, really everybody who uh, this talk is resonating with because you're having this kind of situation in your family, please go and check out the conscious co-parenting Thank you. Thank you. All right. Thanks. <laughs> I don't know about you, but I find listening to Dorsey incredibly hopeful. I get it now. I see why her program works all the time. It's because she knows that kids have to love both their parents and she's doing what it takes with all the parts happening in the right order to put the whole family back together energetically. The family energy is a living thing. It doesn't die when spouses divorce or separate. Family constellation therapy taught me how much each of us is enmeshed in loyalties to our parents, to our grandparents, to siblings who died before their time, even to ancestors we never met or knew about. I think it's beautiful that families who've been caught in long, very bitter custody battles have a champion in someone who understands so well what they need and who's figured out the perfect container to deliver it with compassion in place of judgment. The approach to 
dealing with parental alienation that I'll be sharing during the Step Family Summit 2020 is one that aligns with the same values that Dorsey advocates and that, and that might resonate with many of you because it's for parents and step-parents who haven't lost contact with the kids, they've lost connection with them. It's for parents who can't figure out how to put the brakes on what looks like a disturbing trend to dislike or disrespect or mistrust the parent or the step-parent in your home. It's to help parents regain their rightful role and connection with their kids, even if bio mom is laying it on thick about how they're not loved at your house and they'll never belong there. I hope you'll sign up for this free event because there are a dozen other speakers besides me all sharing some pretty juicy stuff. If you sign up at bit.ly slash Tracy Summit, part of any paid upgrades that you decide to treat yourself with, will come back and support this podcast too. So go on and treat yourself. I made this easy link so you could remember. Go to bit.ly slash Tracy Summit. No E in Tracy, bit.ly slash Tracy Summit. See you there. That's all for this episode. Thanks again to Dorsey Pruder. You'll find her free offer, Stepping In, linked in the show notes. You can learn more about her work at ConsciousCoParentingInstitute.com. And I really, really hope that you'll go there and look. ConsciousCoParentingInstitute.com. There's loads of, loads of information there. This podcast is produced by me, Tracy Poisner, on Anchor.fm, which informs me that we are being heard in 58 countries. So let's all give a great big virtual hug to the stepmoms listening in Italy, Iran, Iceland, Israel, India, Indonesia, and the Isle of Man. And that's just the eyes. Clearly, we're being found thanks to your ratings and reviews. Please keep them coming and reach out to me anytime with your questions or comments at info at essentialstepmom.com.